Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor and in part one of this week's episode I've got the six Saturday games from the penultimate round of J2. In part two, John Steele has a Friday game, four Sunday games and an ACL game for you. After that, he and I chat about the big talking points as the season reaches its climax and then Mike Guinness is on hand to review the weekend's J3 action in JTalk's short corner. Let's start with the battle for automatic promotion with second place Shimizu Espos welcoming 21st place Ormia Ardija, who knew that anything less than a win would confirm a bottom two finish. They made the worst possible start though, as Thiago Santana found time and enough space to turn and fire Espos into a second minute lead. Ormia almost gifted Shimizu a second on the half hour with an easy giveaway in their own area, but keeper Kaur Shimura tipped Santana's shot over. The second goal did come in the sixth minute of first half stoppage time, a cross finding its way to Carlinhos Jr., who calmly slotted it home. Shimizu pulled away in the second half with two quick goals, Takeru Kishimoto shooting into the bottom corner from the edge of the area in the 63rd minute, and Takashi Inui finishing a counter-attack five minutes later. Both of those goals started with Omiya defenders being dispossessed. Final score, Shimizu 4, Omiya 0. Shimizu stays second, a point clear of Jubilo Iwata and Tokyo Verdi. Omiya are guaranteed to finish 21st, as they can't be overtaken by Zegen Kanazawa, whose draw with Oita Trinita confirmed the wooden spoon for them. Kanazawa did, however, show some fortitude in twice coming back to equalise and in scoring their first goals at home for five games. Naturally, Oita took the lead when Kenshin Yasuda was given too much space in the middle, just outside the area, and arrowed a shot just out of the reach of Motoagi Mura, who was making his first start of the season. That was in the 29th minute, but a big deflection of Koya Okuda's shot in the 42nd minute drew Kanazawa level, after good work down the left by Yuki Kajiura. The home fans' joy was short-lived, as a fluffed clearing attempt two minutes later allowed Arata Watanabe to put Oita back in front, 2-1 to the visitors at half-time. Both sides came out for the second half knowing only a win would do for Oita to make the playoffs and for Kanazawa to catch Omiya. Kanazawa made three changes at half-time, and in the 57th minute two of them combined for the equaliser, Kazuya Onohara intercepting a pass and setting Yudai Kimura free, the on-loan striker shot nutmegging the defender and beating the keeper for his first J-League goal. It ended 2-2 though, so Oita miss out on the playoffs and Kanazawa finished bottom. It was announced on Sunday that Tegen manager Masaki Yanagishita will be leaving the club at the end of the season after seven years in charge. Back up to the promotion battle then, and Jubilo Iwata kept pace with their prefectural rivals by thrashing Mito Hollyhock 5-0. Hiroki Yamada's 15th minute header opened the scoring and Nikia Uehara's pinpoint shot into the top corner doubled the lead 20 minutes later. It was 3-0 at half-time thanks to Dudu, who stretched a leg round his marker to volley home in the 45th minute. The second half started badly for Mito, with Masaya Matsumoto heading in off the bar after just 20 seconds. Fabian Gonzalez got the fifth in stoppage time, just beating Mito keeper Lu Yamaguchi to the ball with a slide that left both writhing in pain. Mito was 17th, winless in six. Iwata are still third. Monterio Yamagata kept up their push for a playoff place with a comeback away to Iwaki FC in front of a record sellout crowd of 5,444 at the Hawaiian Stadium. After a goalless first half, Kotaro Arima finally found a way past Masaki Goto in the Yamagata goal, turning home a free kick in the 56th minute. Five minutes later, the scores were level, Thiago Alves volleying in from close range after a corner had been headed goalwards. Yamagata then took the lead in the 69th minute with Junya Takahashi's emphatic finish from Ayamu Kawai's low cross. Della Torre completed the turnaround in the 80th minute 
tapping in across from the left, helped by a deflection that saw it trickle over the line out of the keeper's reach. Final score, Iwaki 1, Yamagata 3. Iwaki are 19th on a run of three straight losses. Yamagata are 7th, level on points with 6th place Kofu, who they play at home on the final day. Just behind Yamagata in 8th are Vivar and Nagasaki, who beat Vigata Sendai thanks to a brace from Juanma Delgado, his 24th and 25th goals of a superb season. His first of the game came after a quarter of an hour, the ball falling to him unmarked on the edge of the area for a composed left-footed finish. Sendai equalised on the hour, Chihiro Kato the scorer, just 15 seconds after coming off the bench, beating Go Hatano with a shot from 20 yards. Nagasaki's winner came in the first minute of stoppage time, strong work down the left from Takumi Nagura, across to Edgar Junior returning from injury at the back post, and a header back across goal for an again unmarked Juan Madelgado to head in off the bar from 6 yards and clinch a vital 2-1 win. Nagasaki are 8th, 2 points off the playoffs, while Sendai are 15th. And finally from me for now, Tokushima Vortis and Fujieda MyFC played out a goalless draw in a game that had no bearing at either end of the table. Not much to report here, apart from a red card for Fujieda's Saw Nakagawa late in the first half as he received the second yellow, consistently poor finishing from both teams, and a banner displayed by Tokushima supporters criticising their club's front office for a poor season. Their 14th, Fujieda a 12th. That's all from me, John's up next with some more games for you. Thanks James. Hi everybody, John Steele here to run you through the rest of the J2 action from round 41, plus a quick mention of uh, Kofu's midweek ACL game as well. Let's start with Yamaguchi nil, Machida 2, an eventful game which turned into a comfortable win for the champions. Yamaguchi's players gave Machida a guard of honour before kick-off in this one, which was a really nice gesture. Then, just 15 minutes in, Yamaguchi's keeper, Kentaro Seki, suffered a freak injury with nobody near him as he kind of pulled up and seemed to have an ankle problem or possibly knee trouble. Seki was replaced by Riku Terakado in goal and more on him later. Yamaguchi then missed a great chance to go in front, Tsubasa Umeki firing wide. And there was nearly a calamity for Machida when their goalkeeper Koki Fukui clattered a Yamaguchi player underneath a high ball way outside his penalty area. But uh, it was a free kick and only a yellow card for Fukui in the end and Machida escaped. Right on the stroke of half-time, Kosuke Ota hit the Yamaguchi crossbar from the edge of the box. So uh, it was a nil-nil at the break but uh, not for uh, lack of effort from either side. Nine minutes into the second half, Machida broke the deadlock with a penalty... Brazilian defender Henan rashly went to ground and made contact with Byron Vasquez inside the box for the spot kick, scored by Hokuto Shimoda with no trouble at all. So Machida 1-0 up 9 minutes into the second period. And then midway through the second half, Terracado, the standing goalkeeper, made a mess of dealing with a high ball outside his penalty area. He managed to head it up into the air rather than away. Then in an aerial duel with Ota, the ball dropped for Mitch Duke to swivel and score into an unguarded net from about 20 yards. So uh, yeah, a comfortable win in the end for Machida. Yamaguchi nil, Machida 2. Machida's promotion party continues and uh, Yamaguchi are also safe now thanks to other results uh, as James has uh, filled you in. So it's a, a party for them despite the defeat as well. Tokyo Verdi's automatic promotion dream is still alive after a nail-biting home win over Tochigi. It finished Tokyo Verdi 1, Tochigi 0 at Ajinomoto. 
Verdi had to do things the hard way. After being reduced to 10 men in first half stoppage time in this game, Daiki Fukazawa picking up a very harsh second yellow after uh, pretty much accidentally really bundling Yuki Nishia over from behind. That gave Tochigi a free kick on the edge of the Verdi box and Kenta Fukumori was so unlucky not to give the visitors the lead. His free kick crashed off the inside of Matias's left-hand post, bounced along the goal line and then hit the inside of the other post without crossing the line. So a, a real let-off for, for Verdi on that one. Near the start of the second half, Tochigi hit the woodwork again. This time it was Kisho Yano volleying against the post from about 10 yards. And then, eight minutes from full time, the ten men of Verdi grabbed a huge three points thanks to a sublime free kick of their own from Hikaru Nakahara from about 30 yards out. His beautiful strike went right into the top corner for what I think is a goal of the season contender. Absolutely superb free kick from Nakahara. Right at the end, Tochigi also had a player sent off. Ryotaro Ishida collected his second booking after clashing with a Verdi player right at the end of stoppage time, so uh, there wasn't time for that to really affect the game in any meaningful way. And it finished Tokyo Verdi 1, Tochigi nil. That leaves Verdi in 4th place, but level on points with 3rd placed Iwata, and both of these sides just a point behind 2nd placed Shimizu. Uh, meanwhile for Tochigi, uh, they're mathematically safe now of course, and it was announced in midweek that their manager Yu Tokisaki is going to leave the club at the end of the season, so uh, Tochigi will be under new management next year, and uh, Tokisaki might turn up somewhere else in J2, you would imagine, but Tokyo Verde won, Tochigi nil was how this game finished. Jeff Chiba are in 5th place and they have now clinched their playoff place after coming from behind to win 2-1 away at Gunma at the weekend. This was a, another instalment of the Battle of the Brothers with Koki Kazama lining up for Gunma against his brother Koya uh, in the Jeff starting lineup. Koya Kazama almost put Jeff ahead twice in the first half here. He hit the bar on two occasions in the first 45 minutes. His first effort was a superb 25-yarder, and then he volleyed across against the woodwork from about 12 yards shortly afterwards. But the first half finished goalless, and it was the home side Gunma who took the lead in the 64th minute. A corner to the near post dropped perfectly for Daiki Nakashio to drill into the roof of the net. So 1-0 to Gunma after 64 minutes. Jeff fought back though, and they equalised with 13 minutes to go. Brilliant interplay between Takaki Fukumitsu and Tomoyamiki on the edge of the Gunma box led to Fukumitsu crossing low into the penalty area. Kazuki Tanaka, uh, his shot was saved, he got onto the end of the cross but his shot was saved, and it was spilled rather awkwardly by Gunma's keeper Masatoshi Kushibiki, uh, he sort of ended up facing the wrong way uh, somehow after saving this shot, and Tanaka was then able to sweep in the loose ball to make it 1-1. Then in the 89th minute, Jeff sealed their postseason spot by getting a, a dramatic winner from the penalty spot. A very harsh award for handball when a shot from Taishi Taguchi hit Gunma defender Shuichi Sakai. Uh, the ball did hit his arm, but his arm was placed across his body and uh, Taguchi fairly rifled the ball at him. I'm not sure what Sakai was supposed to do with his arms at that point, but the penalty was given and it was scored emphatically by Hiroto Goya. And that, that made the final score Gunma 1, Jeff Chiba 2. So Jeff uh, have sealed their playoff place. Uh, excitement seems to be building at, at Fukuda Denshi Arena for that. Gunma a 10th and will definitely finish this season in the top half of the table. So even though they won't make the playoffs, it, it's been a pretty amazing season for them as well. 
So with one playoff place still up for grabs, it's Van Fere Kofu who hold it going into the final day of regular season games. That's because they won 2-0 at home to Kumamoto in round 41. Kofu nearly drew first blood with a low shot from outside the box from Riku Matsuda. This was deflected onto the base of the post here. Kumamoto gave a really good account of themselves at the other end though, and Kofu's keeper Tsubasa Shibuya had to make good saves from Takuya Shimamura and Rimu Matsuoka in the first half. Into the second period, and Kofu broke the deadlock just before the hour, after another shot from outside the box from Matsuda was spilled by Kumamoto's keeper Ryuga Tashiro, an uncharacteristic mistake uh, from him, he's had a great season, but Yoshiki Torikai was on hand in a flash to fire the loose ball into the net from inside the six-yard box and make it Kofu 1, Kumamoto 0. Then with 15 minutes to go, the home side sealed the points with a lovely goal from Peter Utaka, he collected the ball about 40 yards from goal, and the Nigerians showed amazing acceleration, nicking the ball around Takuro Ezaki, the defender. That's a 39-year-old racing away from a 23-year-old. Utaka then burst into the penalty area, and his initial shot was saved, but the ball looped into the air, and then Utaka calmly and nonchalantly half-followed it into the net, despite the presence of a couple of defenders on the goal line. So a brilliant individual goal from him, and it made the final score Kofu 2 Kumamoto nil. Kumamoto already safe and have announced already that Takeshi Oki will be their coach for next season as well so they can start to plan for 2024. As for Kofu they will confirm their playoff spot as long as they can win away at Yamagata this weekend but uh, yeah James and I will talk about that a little bit more in the next uh, segment. Fajiano Okayama ended their home campaign for 2023 with a disappointing defeat against Akita. The final score was Okayama 0, Akita 2. Uh, Akita very impressive in this game. They'd already gone close on a couple of occasions when they finally took the lead in first half stoppage time through Junki Hata. Jordi Bice was playing his last game for Okayama at centre-back. It's already been announced that his contract won't be renewed for next season. And it was Bice's weak header that teed up Hatta's chance. After a long throw was only headed to the edge of the box by Bice, Hatta got on the end of it and volleyed on target from about 20 yards. And the ball bounced just in front of goalkeeper Daiki Hata and ended up in the back of the net for 1-0. So uh, yeah, great strike from Akita to give them the lead. Nine minutes into the second half, it was 2-0. When Thiago Alves was dispossessed on the edge of Akita's penalty area, the ball was moved forward quickly for Keita Saito to latch onto on the halfway line. Saito was far too quick for your device. This was a complete uh, mismatch. Saito easily uh, bustled past him into the penalty area and then produced a lovely chip over Hota to make it 2-0 and seal the points for Ken Yoshida's men. So at the final score at City Light Stadium was Okayama 0, Akita 2. For Akita, this ended a run of three straight defeats and leaves them 13th in the table. Uh, Okayama end the season, or will end the season, around 11th place, where they are at the moment. Uh, they haven't won any of their last five matches. Okay, that's all the J2 action from round 41 sorted out, I think. But before you hear me and James uh, deep in conversation, there's time to mention Vanfrey Kofu's latest Asian Champions League adventure. They've uh, reached round four of the group stage at this point, and uh, they produced a stellar performance at the National Stadium in Tokyo on Wednesday night to beat their visitors Zhejiang 4-1. That gives Kofu seven points from four matches and leaves them in second place in their group. Kofu were too strong for the visitors pretty much from kickoff in this game and it was only a surprise that it took them 18 minutes to go in front. It was Peter Utaka who scored the goal. 
Ryotaro Nakamura tackled a Zhejiang player on the halfway line and the ball ran loose and turned into a perfect through ball for Utaka, who raced clear and then coolly beat the goalkeeper to make it Kofu 1, Zhejiang 0. As Kofu threatened again, Utaka had a shot cleared off the line after a nice interchange with Getulio, but in first half stoppage time, Getulio made it 2-0, volleying in across from Jumma Miyazaki from about six yards. Uh, I feel obliged to point out the defending here was pretty half-arsed, but uh, that, that's not Kofu's fault or Kofu's problem. So they were 2-0 up at the break. In the second period, about five minutes into the second half, Zhejiang reduced the deficit with a penalty. This was after Kofu's keeper Michael Wood spilled a shot from the edge of the box. He dived at the feet of Leonardo to try and recover the loose ball. Uh, Leonardo, in my opinion, simulated some contact, but he did a good job of doing that, and, and a penalty was given and not overturned by uh, VAR. And the former Totori, Niigata and Urawa striker scored the penalty himself with some aplomb. Utaka nearly restored Kofu's two-goal cushion shortly after that, but placed his shot just wide of the post. In the 58th minute, though, it was 3-1, thanks to an absolute laser bolt from Masahiro Sekiguchi. Wearing the captain's armband, Sekiguchi fired a rocket into the goalkeeper's top left-hand corner from an almost oblique angle about 14 yards out. Uh, difficult to describe, but a brilliant finish. Uh, so 3-1 to Kofu, and the points were safe. Right at the death, Zhejiang were caught on the counter, with Kazushi Mitsuhira's perfectly timed through ball, sending Yoshiki Torikai clean through. Torikai calmly placed the ball past the goalkeeper to make it 4-1, the icing on the cake for Kofu. So they're second in the group, with seven points from four games as mentioned. If Kofu can beat Melbourne City at Kokoritsu in their next game, surely they'll be as good as through uh, to the knockout stage. So absolutely stellar uh, kind of ACL performance from them overall so far. The final score in this game in front of about 12,000 supporters in Tokyo was Kofu 4, Zhejiang 1. Alright, I think that's all of the, the J2 and J2 adjacent action uh, talked about then from the weekend and midweek. Please stay tuned. After a quick uh, musical interlude, James and I got together and we uh, had a deep dive into the J2 picture with a focus on the playoff push. That that final uh, playoff spot is still up for grabs. So that's where we focused our attentions this week. But uh, that's coming up next. And uh, yeah, please stay tuned. J2 Extra Time. Welcome back everyone, uh, James and John here to talk about some of the games at the top end of J2. John, how are you? Uh, all, all good, thanks James, good good to be back and uh, yeah, lots to uh, lots to talk about as we head into the uh, the big regular season finale. Yeah, and we've got a, a bumper four games to talk about this week, uh, starting with the game that we, last week we billed it as the game of the round and we were right, only took us 41 weeks of the season but we finally got one right. Gunma 1, Jeff United 2. This was very entertaining, John. What did you think about it? Uh, yeah, I think I think very entertaining is uh, right. Uh, we should mention it was a battle of uh, brothers, wasn't it? With Koki Kazama on the Gunma side in midfield and brother Koya in the in the Jeff team. And uh, Koya seemed uh, really up for it, didn't he? Hitting the bar twice in, in the first half. So it seemed like Jeff were, were in the ascendancy. And then... Uh, as is often the case, when one team seems destined to, to score, it's the other team that, that goes in front. And yes, that kind of uh, half-cleared corner fell just right for Daiki Nakashio, and he, he lashed into the roof of the net to give Gunma the lead. And I think ordinarily, James, at that point, you'd be like, well, Jeff Jeff Cheever have gone 1-0 down away at Gunma. That's it. You know, you could, you could turn over and watch something else. But this season, 
uh, Jeff have not been the sort of soft, uh, soft-centered pushovers of the the past sort of five or six years, and they they turned it round. I thought the kind of build-up play for the equaliser was brilliant between Fukumitsu and uh, Miki. Obviously, mm-hmm. Fukumitsu's been a bit of a bit part uh, player. You know, he he kind of came off the bench, I think, in this game to 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 create the equaliser. There was another substitute, Kazuki Tanaka, who made it one-one. Um, after a pretty awkward moment for Kushibiki in the the Gunma mm-hmm. goal, I, when I was watching the highlights, the the commentator mentioned he's been an ever present for Gunma this season. Perhaps he's just a bit tired at this point. I don't know, yeah. but he, he didn't didn't do very well on 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 that first goal. And then, um, I think with the penalty that turned out to be the winner, um, maybe the, by the letter of the law, it was a handball. I thought it was incredibly harsh. Um, I think maybe on the balance of the game, Jeff did just about enough to win it. But I think the way the penalty came about with that shot just kind of hitting, uh, it was Taishi Teguchi, wasn't it, who had the shot. It hit Sakai's arm. That's I'm not disputing that, but his arm is kind of like across his body. Mm. And the ball is kind of fired straight at him. I'm not really sure what he could have done. You know, like if he'd moved his arm away from his body, then it would have been in an un- unnatural position. You know, and then if the ball had hit his arm, with his body in that position, he would, a penalty would have been given. So I think he was a bit... He, Sakai, the defender, and Gunma uh, overall were really unfortunate with that one. Um, big props to Hiroto Goya, though, because the penalty was tucked away brilliantly. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jeff seemed to just have that... Um, um, we're going to use this word more than once, I suspect, tonight, but momentum. Uh, you mm. know, he, Even after going behind, they weren't out of it, and they, they came back, and even though there was a bit of fortune about the goal, they... They got the win, and that clinches their playoff spot with with mm. one game to spare. So I think if you're a Jeff Chiba supporter, you've got to be pretty ecstatic uh, with that. As thinking about how the last, uh, let's be honest, decade has gone, and uh, and also how this season started, where things didn't look particularly promising. It's uh, an impressive achievement, and even Gunma, we I think we were right a few weeks ago that their their playoff charge sort of had run out of steam. Going into the going into the the running, but they're they're tenth at the moment and they're guaranteed to finish in the top half. So it's a, a pretty amazing season for them as well. Uh, all told, um, any anything I've missed there, James? Or what, 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 how about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything. Now, I I, I I I think we should mention the first half shot count. Um, Gumma had one shot in the first half, and it was off target. Jeff had 15 shots, seven <laughs> on target. Um, so I think it's fair to say that Jeff kind of should have won this, and in the end they did, but they did it the hard way. Um, I thought Kushibiki played well, but that yeah, that goal that was weird. I don't know what he's trying to do. He saved it, but then spun around and ended up knocking it away from himself. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how he ended up facing the wrong way um, there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he, I mean, he's a J2 goalie, and they've been known to have their moments. Um, I think for, I don't have anything to add on Gumma really. Um, it's been a really good season for them. Um, it's just a shame it's kind of petered out, but not a surprise. For Jeff, um, I remember back in the winter we wondered about the wisdom of letting Solomon Sakuragawa go, and then Keta Buanika didn't really step up in his absence, and then ended up going out on loan. They got Hiro Komori uh, appeared and has been brilliant. And uh, Dudu has been a really good signing as well. They, mm. they did a lot of their attacks went through Dudu on the left in this game. And um, 
he had a lot of joy, although they couldn't finish most of them. So he, he's been playing really well since he joined mid-season. He was playing well at Imabari as well in the first half of the year. And Tommy Amiki as well. He was really quiet at the start of the year, but suddenly um, he's starting to produce more. I wonder if it's because he seems to be playing much deeper than he was in previous years, perhaps. Um, and maybe it took him some time to adjust. But um, I completely agree with what you said about Jeff being in this position after their terrible start to the season is 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 amazing. Really, it's fantastic um, because after it was it must have been like a third of the season or something. We were looking at the bottom two, and it was it was Jeff and Yamagata or something like that. And mm. now they're both well. One of them's definitely in the playoffs. One of them is is has a good chance. We'll talk about Yamagata in a few minutes, but. Yeah, well done, Jeff, in the playoffs for the first time in a few years. And, uh, yeah, very uh, happy times, I guess, at the Fukudadinshi Arena. Another team that's uh, going for the playoffs, it's currently in sixth, is Vanfrey Kofu. They beat Raso Kumamoto 2-0. Um, this, I thought this was kind of expected, um, really, but what about you? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think this, this was the... Uh, I kind of had a lot of attention on this game because it was the only match that was played on Friday, the the national holiday in the mm. afternoon. So for, for for my kind of aging brain, what one game per day is about as much as I can cope with. So I kept a close eye on this one. Um, I think the first half was pretty even, Stephen, actually. I know uh, Kofu hit the post with that deflected shot from Riku Matsuda, but I think it was the, at the other end, Kumamoto looked pretty dangerous. Um, they weren't quite kind of on the beach or they, you know, they were taking it very seriously, even though they were already safer. Uh, Taki Shimamura, Ryuma Matsuoka both had chances and Tsubasa Shibuya in the Kofu goal had to make a couple of decent saves but then I think once Kofu went in front uh, just before the hour I think that that pretty much um, that that swung the, the balance very much in their favour and it was a yeah we talked about a kind of goalkeeping error already from um uh, I'm blanking from Kushibiki, a uh, gunner keeper, and Ryuga Tashiro. You know, we've talked about him as being a real important player for Kumamoto this season, but he boobed uh, on this goal, didn't he? Because the ball, kind of a fierce shot from Matsuda, bounced just in front of him and he couldn't hold it. And Yoshiki Torikai, who uh, I don't think he's going to be anyone's player of the season uh, because because Juanma Delgado exists, but um, he, he's a player that I really like. He was alive, he was onto it in a flash, yeah. and made it 1-0. And we need to talk about this Peter Utaka goal, uh, James, the second one, with about 50 minutes left. I mean, he was just imperious and, and regal scoring this goal. I mean, he, he's about 40 yards out, and he just kind of nips the ball around the corner of uh, Takuro Ezaki, the centre-back, who just bursts into the penalty area. This is a 39-year-old skin in a 23-year-old defender. Um, Not for the which, first time this season. No, and it's something that happens uh, on on the regular. Uh, yeah. And then his, his initial shot was well saved by uh, Tashiro, but kind of ballooned up into the air. And then he just, uh, Utaka kind of nonchalantly just half-volleyed it into the back of the net, despite two defenders being on the line. And... Um, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty baller ass goal. I think is the the best way to put it, and uh, that that sealed the points, and uh, they they were well worth it in the end. Uh, Kumamoto, I don't think, will be too disappointed because they're already safe, as mentioned, and uh, I think it's been announced that Takeshi Oki is going to stay on as coach for next year. Okay. So uh, that that should be interesting um, for them. And uh, James, it's been done to death uh, this joke, but um, what? Why not without? Again, I'm not very good at, at, at maths, but I believe as long as Kofu win at the weekend, they will finish in the top six, right? They will. 
uh, they'll, they'll mm. clinch that playoff place. So that that's it. It's, it's in their hands. And um, that's another team that for a long time this season didn't look like they were going to be uh, top six material. So it, it, it's a fantastic job that's been done there as well, uh, I think. What, what about you? Yeah, as I said, this is it. I expected this result. I think um, Kumamoto, um, they, they kind of reverted to their type for the season, which is not really being able to do anything with all the possession. They had a lot of ball and a lot of it in Kofu's half, and they're passing it around, but they couldn't. They couldn't find a way through. Or when they did find a way through, they they couldn't. Um, they couldn't score. And uh, I've also written in my notes, Tashiro had one of his unplugged controller days. <laughs> so when, you know, when you're playing on PlayStation with your mm-hmm. mates, as mm-hmm. a, a prank, you just unplug their controller. Yeah, he... Uh, yeah, could it, well, so yeah. should have... Bluetooth, Bluetooth yeah. connection lost. And uh, I, I think it's good. To, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen the announcement about Oki, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's staying at, at Kumamoto because I think they're a good match. Um, and I hope that, well, I'm guessing that their squad won't be decimated this year because performances have been so much less impressive than the previous year. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to uh, to, to build on this and improve and have see Kumoto back up in the top half next year would be good. For Kofu, they've really hit form in the second half of this year. I think the, the Asian Champions League seems to have galvanised them rather than tired them out. Because they're doing really well in that competition as well, and they're on incredible form in the league. And I, this is where they should have been last year. Mm. They've got basically this. Well, up until they made these reinforcements in mid-season, they're basically the same squad as last year. It's only the manager that had changed. They should have been pushing for playoffs last year. Mm. Um, I think I've said already this year the fact that they they weren't is is now we know is it, it was the manager rather than the players. And they've they've brought in some extras like um, yeah it was it Ikumatsuda and Cristiano and mm. um, a few others whose names escape me at the moment but it's mm, the, mm. mostly the players who are having the impact are the pl- players who were there last year oh and Utaka of course he wasn't there last year but the players who are having the impact are the players who were there last year really so it's good to see I'm happy to see Kofu up there. Yeah, I just think when they when they sort of break on you at the halfway line and it's either it's Mitsuhira running through or it's Utaka running through or it's Torikai running through, there was one chance, there was a chance very early on in the first half where um, Mitsuhira got in behind and uh, I think Junma Miyazaki nearly scored, you know, in about the mm. first 10 minutes. And then later on, there was one chance at the start of the second half where Torikai, he just kind of... He, he just took one touch and, like, was able to glide past the entire backline somehow but it, it didn't result in a goal but they just when they when they sort of get the ball past you on the halfway line I think honestly of the teams that I watched this season they're like the most dangerous team on the halfway line if that makes sense um, yeah. to play against so yeah I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they go if they if they do get into the playoffs but I agree with you about the ACL um, we thought that might be the end of their um, sort of playoff charge but it's like I say it's been the absolute opposite hasn't it mm. Yeah, and uh, just behind Kofu, well, actually level on points, but just behind them on goal difference in seventh is Yamagata. They won 3-1 away to Iwaki. This uh, this was an, uh, come from behind. They went 1-0 down, but they scored three fairly quick goals to, to make it look a bit more comfortable than it was in the end. Um, how about this one then, John? 
Mm, I think that's a very astute comment, uh, James. Three-one looks like an easy, an easy win, but I think in the end it was. But only at the very end did it feel like an easy win. I think Yamagata were really in a game here, and it seemed like they might be in uh, trouble when they went behind, uh, didn't it? But they did, uh, they did roll back uh, to win three-one, and I think that's a lot to just do with confidence because they're on a winning streak, aren't they? That was, you know, they were on three wins in a row before this game. So even after going behind, you sense that they still felt this, the, the, you know, the game was. The game hadn't gone away from them, so they, they were able to sort of the residual confidence from three straight wins uh, c- carried them through and, and got them the win here as well. I think that third goal from Della Torre was was pretty funny. It just kind of dribbled dribbled over the line. It's, that, that seemed to be happening in the slow motion, uh, even yeah, in real time. So that, I wasn't sure if he he aimed it there or if it hits like the defender and trickles over the line or what. I, I, yeah, I think either way, I think the goalkeeper there might be wanting to adjust his feet a bit quicker. Um, but um, yeah, he he just seemed to roll the dice and was like, well, hopefully my arms are long enough. I'll just dive now. And it, it wasn't the case. But yeah, I think that ball, that ball would still be, you know, that ball feels like it's still moving somehow. I don't know. It's so slow. But anyway, the, the, they, they got the win. And Della Torre is someone we hardly mentioned. Uh, mm. this season uh, so it's good to see him kind of available as an option for, for, for Yamagata and yeah I mentioned momentum earlier talking about Jeff you know they, they came from behind to get the job done against Gunma I sense Yamagata also will not be afraid of anything going into the last round mm. because they have that momentum as well and I know we're going to talk about the weekend fixtures uh, in a moment but they have um, virtually a playoff game already don't they because they're hosting yeah. Kofu if mm. they can win it that means they will they will get that top six place at, at Kofu's expense. So, yeah, basically it's kind of a, a playoff already, even though it's the end of the regular season. I think Yamagata are going to really fancy their chances. Mm. Yeah, this was this was interesting because Iwaki, they, they were fairly in control of this, and but their problem in this game was their problem all year, which is their finishing. They're really good at getting into attacking positions, but they can't hit the target. So many good attacks uh, fail because the, the, the shooting is is really poor. But um, I think in a way this game could be a success for Iwaki because it was a sellout. It was a record crowd at the brilliantly named Hawaiians Stadium. <laughs> uh, it did not look very Hawaiian. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the 5,444 I think good and yeah generally a successful season for Iwaki they've stayed up and um, I think that was probably what their aim was when they came up um, I guess we'll talk more about that mm. in a few weeks and something else mm. we'll probably talk more about in a few weeks but I have been wondering as Yamagata like Jeff to be in this position after their start to the season is excellent but I'm wondering what Susumu Watanabe has changed compared to what Klamovsky was doing because I, I haven't watched I don't watch Yamagata every week, so I'm not mm. sure that I, you know, I haven't seen enough of them. I think I only watched them half a dozen times or something this year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough of them to be able to chart any kind of progression. But mm. I'd be interested to, to think and try and find out more about whether there was anything drastic that, that, that they changed or whether it was just a case of, you know, confidence or, or you know, personnel changes no i yeah i i can't really i can't really add any any insight into that really other than sometimes just my feeling is just a change of manager is just needed 
um, mm. and, and then a lot of the other kind of everything else just seems to either click into place or not, you know, based based on the manager. But um, yeah, I think we, we perhaps need to do a deep dive on Yamagata at some point and just kind of look at maybe the personnel if many players have changed. It doesn't seem like it to me. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the core of the squad is is pretty similar. We, we even had uh, Keisuke Nishimura assisting a goal um, in this game at Iwaki, so even even he was doing doing the right things suddenly um, from from centre back. So yeah, it's been been a good season. Um, for them overall, but it's another team. I think Iwaki and Yamagata. You know, Iwaki looked like dead certs for relegation at one point, didn't they? Mm. Um, early on, and, and Yamagata obviously in big trouble and, and had to change manager kind of uh, rapidly. So um, yeah, I think they will both be sort of satisfied with how the season's gone up to this point, but but obviously for different reasons considering where they are in the in the table. Yeah. Okay. One more game then. Let's do. We're going getting through them at a good rate tonight. One more game then. Uh, Eighth place, Nagasaki. They've still got a chance of making the playoffs. They beat Sendai 2-1. I think this was a very Nagasaki performance and a very Sendai performance. Mm. Mm. What about you? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. And I think, yes, you they, they sort of reverted to type, didn't they? Nagasaki, um, lovely goal from Juanma early on in about the mm. 15th minute. It's kind of not necessarily the goal you associate with him, but he... This season has just been un, un, unplayable and has scored all types of goals. So yeah. I don't think it, it's no surprise at all to see him just like casually bend one in from like the edge of the box like that <laughs> or just inside the box. I mean, you know, when when you when you think of Juanma scoring a goal, you imagine the ball just being like bullied into the net from six yards, yeah. don't you? But it's a, he's he's obviously a much much more talented player than that stereotypical uh, view uh, would suggest. So yeah, lovely goal from Juanma to put Nagasaki in front, and you kind of thought that was it. They, they should use that as a platform to go on and win the game. Instead, they didn't. As you said, I think that's what you're alluding to with the sort of typical Nagasaki. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Chihiro Kato, which is a name, uh, which is a new one for me. I think he's a young young player, isn't he? He scored an even better goal to equalise, mm-hmm. um, just kind of shifting the ball sort of from one foot to the other and then just kind of bending it, um, bending it into the, the, the corner. That was a lovely, lovely finish to make it 1-1. And then we had the, the sort of Nagasaki drama that, that, that keeps their... Their very slim playoff hopes alive going into the last round. A last gasp, uh, Juanma winner, which uh, his header kind of hit the underside of the crossbar and bounced down. I've seen a few replays of this, uh, and I think the ball probably was over the line. Um, So I think the goal was the correct call, but I couldn't swear, you know, on a Bible that it was over 100% of the ball was 100%. It looked like it to me. Um, So get get your view on that in, in a second. Uh, James. So Nagasaki, I mean, that yeah, they're, they're alive uh, in terms of the playoffs going into the final day, but have I got this right? They will need to win their match, which is away at Jeff, and hope mm-hmm. that Yamagata and Kofu play out a draw in yep. their game, and then Nagasaki can 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 sneak into sixth. So it's possible, uh, but my, my balls tell me it's unlikely uh, that they'll do it. But um, what, what do you think about how, how the game went, uh, James, and um, Nagasaki's chances of potentially pipping Pippin, Yamagata and Kofu to that to that last playoff spot. Yeah, well, Juanma Delgado's uh, a terrific season. Like you say, he's scoring all types of goals this year. He's, he's just been an outstanding. 25 goals. Mm. He's getting he's good been, service. He's been he's so good that I, I haven't even found him annoying this year as much as I did, usual. I did, but that was when um, Nagasaki beat Kanazawa 5-1. That was annoying. <laughs> and the one... He spent so much of that time down, apparently injured. 
there's one there was one one sorry this is derailing it a bit but there was one where the ball hit him in the hand and he went off for treatment because he said he'd been hit in the face but anyway <laughs> yeah apart from that i've really enjoyed watching him <laughs> um he's been yeah he's been really really good and um he's been getting good service from from a lot of a lot of his teammates it's not just you know one one guy setting him up every time a lot of his teammates have been setting him up for for chances and he's been creating them himself Mm. Yeah. Also, I, I was pleased to see Edgar Junior. I didn't realise he was injured. I thought he'd left. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was part of Nagasaki's revolving cast of uh, Brazilians. Mm. Uh, but it was Clayson that left, wasn't it? And uh, Edgar Junior apparently was injured. But he he's back. Um, maybe in time. Maybe too late. But Nagasaki is so inconsistent, and I know. When you talked to Daniel earlier this season, he talked about how frustrating it is. I can understand that frustration because they can't win two in a row. Now they have to. They have to win the next game um, mm. if they want their season to continue. As for Sendai, um, that Kato's goal was great. He was only on the pitch for 15 minutes, just come on as a sub. Uh, 15 seconds, sorry, just come on as a sub. Mm. Um, but what? why was for both goals the league's top scorer standing unmarked in the area mm. that's that's what i that's what i mean when i say a typical sendai performance mm. Mm. <laughs> what are you doing yeah Just, they always uh, they always give the other team a chance don't they it's very generous of them um mm. and yeah so i yeah, you're right. Nagasaki have to win and hope for a draw. Actually, that 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 moves us quite nicely onto the preview. Let's get into it. All the games mm. are on Sunday the 12th at one o'clock. There are six games that don't really matter. Um, so I'll just run through those and we don't have to talk about them. <laughs> Sendai <laughs> against Machida. Akita against Tokushima. Fujieda against Iwaki. Kumamoto against Yamaguchi. Oita against Gumma. And in the last ever game for Zergen Kanazawa at the uh, Ishikawa Athletic Stadium, they play Okayama. And then there are five games that have something riding on them. So mm. second place, Shimizu, go to Mito. Third place, Iwata, go to Tochigi. And fourth place, Ferdi, go to Omiya. Then fifth place, Jeff, play 8th place Nagasaki and 7th place Yamagata play 6th place Kofu mm. so the positions from 2nd to well 2nd to 8th are, are yet to be decided what mm. uh, what, are you, what are you thinking how are you feeling about these games I, I, I'm not going to ask you to predict anything because uh, oh that's good <laughs> because that would just be a nightmare but what what just some thoughts <laughs> yeah well i i think it, it, a lot this looking at this slate of games will sort of determine whether you're a glass half full or half empty kind of guy i think james because on, on the one hand you, you're quite right to point out that from 11 fixtures six of them are more or less dead rubbers from a kind of promotion or, or relegation point of view because the bottom two is already decided, um, champions already decided and the rest of the teams are just kind of playing out. Obviously for Kanazawa you highlighted your yeah, last game 
uh, last game for them at the the Ishikawa Stadium uh, for now. And I think for you know for some players, uh, you know, obviously it'd be last game for their teams if they don't have their contracts renewed, etc. So I think there will be for fans of the teams involved, they might not necessarily be the the, the rubbers might not be as dead as we as we said. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of the other five matches, I think we're in the potential to have just the best ever finish to a J2 season here. Because I think th- th- there's so much potential for sort of drama and chaos and kind of uh, live, you know, league tables sort of changing rapidly. Um, let's, I-, I can't handle it all at once. So let's let's talk about the automatic promotion okay. uh, situation, <laughs> right? So basically Shimizu go away to Mito. Uh, as long as Shimizu win, they get the automatic promotion spot, right? They'll go up with with Machida. So that's a pretty big carrot for, for Shimizu to have dangled in front of them. You'd imagine in an ordinary situation, they'd go out there and absolutely smash Mito and get the job done, like they did against Olmia the, the previous, you know, the, the, the week before when they beat them 4-0. Four, four so um, it's J2, so you never know. I mean, Mito are one of these teams that are kind of, it's always a dice roll. What, what you're going to get from them. Um, but it's in Shimizu's hands. If they do slip up, Iwata are right there behind them. Tokyo Verdi are right there behind them. So one point one point behind, right? Shimizu on 73, Iwata and Verdi on 72. Iwata go away to Tochigi, which is a very similar match because Shimizu are second going to 17th. Iwata are third going to 18th. Mm. Something about Tochigi makes me feel this might be a trickier game, though. Because yeah. it will be, it's been announced, hasn't it, that Yu Tokisaki is stepping down as Tochigi manager mm. um, this uh, the, at the end of the season. Or he's been, he's not, he's not having his contract renewed. I'm not sure whether that's a mutual decision or, or what. But you know, it's, it's going to be his last game in charge at Tochigi. I don't think the players will necessarily want to to send him off without a good performance. Mm. Um, so I think Iwata probably will be good enough to come through and win that game. Um, but they, they don't think they're going to have it all their own way against Tochigi, necessarily. And then Tokyo Verde going to Olmia. It's interesting that all three of these teams are away from home. And Olmia, I mean, yeah, they, they did win four in a row before sort of messing up the, the last game, didn't uh, last couple of games, uh, haven't they? So I don't think Tokyo Verde will necessarily be um, expecting a pushover there either. So that, I think the most likely thing is that Shimizu win and get the second automatic. I know you didn't ask me for predictions, but I can't help it. I'm too excited. So I'm going, um, yeah, I think Shimizu will win. But I, I think even if that's the case, Iwata and Verdi will still be jostling because they'll want to make sure they uh, they have a home advantage, uh, you know, for their playoff game. But I suppose they will, won't they? But they, they'll want to finish third and then get the, in theory, weaker team, you know, sixth place team in the playoff rounds. But before we talk about the, the, the playoffs, James, do you have any thoughts about that, you know, automatic promotion uh, picture. Um, I don't have anything to add to what you said, except to ex- what well, except. So I do have something to add. Is, uh, goal, if goal difference comes into it, for example, if Shimizu lose and Iwata and Verdi both draw, and they're all on seventy-three points, um, Shimizu's goal difference is vastly superior. There's his forty-four. Mm, thanks, thanks, Iwaki. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the difference is basically those two games against Iwaki. She misses Toru, 44, Iwata 29, and Verdi 24. So, if if yeah. Shimizu do get promoted on goal difference, uh, the Toru Takagiwa, who is in goal uh, goal for that Iwaki game, he should never have to buy a drink in uh, in Shimizu, you know, if he visits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's responsible for at least four or five of those goals. Yeah, 
that uh, yeah, that's that's worth quite That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so I think, um, but I, I agree. I can't see. I mean, Mito are on a terrible run of form. They just lost five nil to Iwata. Mm. They're they're winless in six, I think, and I think five, at least four of those are losses. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, and but obviously yeah, all, all, all of those teams are going to want going to want to win. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean as, as Shimizu are in the driving seat. They've they've got the best attack in the league. I, I would expect them to to seal second. Um, so let's talk about the, the 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 other playoff spots then. So we've got Jeff in fifth on 67 points with a goal difference of 10, playing Nagasaki in eighth, 62 points, goal difference 12, and then Kofu sixth, play uh, Yamagata seventh. They're both on 64 points. Kofu's goal difference is 11, and Yamagata's is nine. Mm, mm, this is just fascinating. Uh, yeah. And I think we we could pontificate about it for hours and not get any closer to to solving the the problem. So let let we'll, we'll keep it as brief as we can, I suppose. But obviously Jeff's playoff place is set, isn't it already? They mm. uh, they're going to finish in the top six. They can't be caught. Um, and it's interesting to consider how they'll approach the game because does that mean knowing that you've got the playoffs coming up, will they rest players? I think that would be a bad idea because it's two weeks until. Mm. The, the first round of the playoffs, right? There's, there's there's kind of a weekend off before before the, the the playoff semi-final. So even if you use your full strength team and you get a couple of niggles or knocks or muscle problems, there's two weeks for those to heal up. So yeah. I think they uh, it, it were I Jeff manager, I'd be picking my strongest available team to kind of keep the momentum. You know, you, I wouldn't want to disrupt anything. They've they've got a good thing going, so I think that they should play their their strongest team. Also, the stadium I assume will be full or, or almost full. Yeah. So um, yeah, you, you you want the fact you want to keep the fans kind of uh, pumped up as well by by playing the strongest team and hopefully getting the win. Uh, Nagasaki, it's going to be fascinating. You you mentioned it already. They they've got to go for it, haven't they? They must win. Um, mm. So it's going to be interesting to see them kind of pile uh, pile forward at every opportunity and, and and take their take take their chances if they come along, which is something they've they've not always done. They they can usually score one and then then they struggle to get the second you know killer goal like they did against the Sendai at the weekend. So I think I think that one is a really intriguing game because you'll have Jeff at home and not really needing anything versus a Nagasaki team that will they have to get the three points. It could be really exciting stuff. And then Yamagata Kofu, I mean it's not inconceivable that that's a draw, right? I think there's very little to choose between. I actually, I watched the highlights of the Kofu match and I was very impressed. And then I watched the highlights of the Yamagata match. I was equally impressed. So picking mm-hmm. a winner, picking a winner from these two is it impossible. You can't really put a, a cigarette paper between them. Although I don't know, don't know why you'd want to do that. It's not a very good use of a cigarette paper, but you get the, you get my drift. Um, yeah. I just don't really see how this going. I think Yamagata at home are always, um, likely to give you some some trouble, and they're on four straight wins, so their their tails will be up. For Kofu, they've also been in such a rude health recently, haven't they? You'd imagine they'll be very they'll be very confident going into the game, uh, also. Uh, but I just don't know. Is there a slight possibility Kofu? They played extremely well in the Asian Champions League on Wednesday. Mm. Is there a slight chance that that will? I mean that there are some tired legs in the team uh, on Sundays. Probably it'll probably be a different team, right? They they change they change a lot of players. They rotate a lot for the, the Champions League game. So uh, that was my long longer long winded way of saying I don't know, uh, James. But I would suspect Nagasaki are not going to do it because 
they are just going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Jeff and leave some holes at the back. Mm. And I think if Jeff's strongest team is out there, that 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 they'll be able to exploit that. Nagasaki will will either not get the win or or they might only be able to draw this game. And Yamagata Kofu, it's a complete toss up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if either. Um, either result turned out. I actually think, you know, as we're talking, most likely Yamagata and Kofu do draw either nil-nil or four-four or something, and then um, Nagasaki uh, lose uh, the game at Jeff, and then uh, you know Kofu end up in the playoffs anyway. Um, mm. But it really is a knife-edge stuff, isn't it? How, what, what do you think? And how we we weren't supposed to do predictions, but but how do you see it going? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I can't. I can't imagine that, that Jeff would put out a, a significantly weaker team. They might rest one or two players, but that's what you have a squad for, isn't it? You've got to trust that the the, the players who are not always in the first eleven are good enough. Mm. And I don't think that they would want. Obviously, they don't want to lose. And I don't think that they would want to go into a two-week break before the biggest match they've had in years, mm. having lost. Um, mm. So I expect them to put out a very strong team and to try and try and win. Yeah, Nagasaki will have to go for it, and they're going to have to win consecutive games, which is something that they have really struggled to do this year. And somehow they're still in with a shout of making the playoffs, which is incredible. Um, for Kofu, yeah, there I think they will be. Well, they're in excellent form um, in the league, and they're doing really well in in the Champions League. They. In, in terms of tired bodies, maybe, but for the game against Kumamoto, they left the likes of um, Torikai and Utaka on the bench and only brought them on for the last part of the game, I think. Is that right? Or they? Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Second, second half, anyway. Yeah, and then I think in the Champions League, these, they, they didn't play the whole game. I think they they were brought off once once the result was almost oh, I don't know when they were three one up or something because the last goal was oh last goal was Torikai's wasn't it anyway what I'm, what I mean is they've been rotating the squad a lot so mm. I shouldn't think that they would be too tired I think they will be um, if they are tired I think that their good mood from their excellent results will 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 more than mm. compensate for that. I think that's a good point. Pl- players are never as tired, or as the, the players who are in a winning team never have as many niggling injuries or muscle strains as a team that's losing, do they? It's, it is yeah. a lot of it is psychological. I remember Sean. I can't remember if he was talking about it or if he was. Um, or he wrote. He, he wrote about it as well. As well, with um, he t- talked to Peter Utaka, and Utaka was saying, well, even though he's thirty-nine, however old he is now, he still he gets up in the morning and he really wants to go and play football. And and if you got enough players with that kind of attitude, then it, it, it doesn't really matter too much how many games they've played, especially if results are going well. So mm. uh, yeah, I think that that game against Yamagata, I, I can't call it. I don't know who's going to win. Mm. Um, mm. I, I think it will be very very good because Yamagata are, are a good team as well. Like Zaini Saka and Delatore and Thiago Alves and and Fujimoto up front. Mm. Um, Masaki Goto in goal probably the best Japanese goalie in the league for my money um, yeah it's a big shout yeah mm. uh, we can talk more about that in a few weeks when we do mm. our team season mm. <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough yeah so I, I don't know how it's going to go but I'm very very excited 
think you uh, you just hit upon the biggest difference between me and Peter Utaka, uh, James, which is when they wake up in the morning, they really want to go and play football. Whereas I think after five minutes, Peter Utaka is still enjoying it. Whereas after five minutes, I'm thinking, what a mistake this was. I should never. Why did I want to play football? Yeah, well, you're not getting paid enough. That's the problem. That's correct. That is very true, and that's that's something for the the, the close season as well, when we when we can rant <laughs> freely. But uh, anyway, if your contract is is yeah. being renewed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's part of the cutthroat world in the pod, pod industry. Yeah. Yes, uh, and on that bombshell, uh, let's leave it there, shall we? Uh, it's going to be a really good, a really good weekend. Finding out who's going up, who's going in the playoffs, who's going to be disappointed, and uh, yeah, it's been good to talk to you, John. Thanks very much. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. Good, good, good luck to everybody uh, involved, and uh, we'll we'll try and round it up as best we can uh, next week. Mm, yes, uh, try. It's the. Uh, operative word there uh, thanks uh, thanks to everyone who listens and downloads and shares uh, this pod and thanks to everyone who supports JTalk Podcast and JTalk Extra Time on Patreon We're very grateful and uh, stay tuned because here comes Mike Innes with all the latest from J3 in JTalk Short Corner JTalk Extra Time Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 34 of the J3 season as well as previewing the round 35 matches coming up this weekend. There were three games on Saturday the 4th, and after dropping points by conceding a late equaliser last week, third place Katare Toyama travelled to FC Ryukyu in search of the win, and Michiharu Otagiri's team started brightly, hitting the post via Hiroya Sueki's long-range shot on 15 minutes, and taking the lead only seconds later when Shunta Takahashi out-sprinted Makito Uehara and crossed for Daichi Matsuoka to finish unchallenged at the far post. If Katane's travelling support were anxious, their side led only 1-0 at the break, despite having created numerous chances, they needn't have worried, as two further goals early in the second period confirmed the victory for Toyama. On the counter-attack, Musashi Oyama's through pass set up Mateus Leiria for a composed finish in off the post. And shortly afterwards, it was three. Takahashi picking up on a through ball and unselfishly squaring it for rookie Takumi Ito to score into an empty net. Not much for the home fans to get excited about in this one, but Ryukyu did pull one back in injury time. Takahiro Yanagi clipping across into the goal mouth, headed away by Kyosuke Kamiyama, chested down and smashed into the bottom corner by Sho Hiramatsu. Final score, Ryukyu 1, Toyama 3. Nine home defeats now for Ryukyu, and they stay down in 17th. Not a great habit to be in, Katane conceding another late goal, but it's the points that count, and they strengthened their position in third. FC Gifu produced one of their better performances of the season to come from behind and beat Vanrare Hachinohe at Nagaragawa. Vanrare's opener came on the half hour, the high press enabling Oriola Sunday to lay it off to Yuya Himeno, who curled a tremendous shot into the top corner. 
but Gifu in the second half roared out of the starting blocks. Veteran striker Junya Tanaka having a point-blank shot blocked by Yusuke Taniguchi before Yosuke Kashiwagi crossed from the left for rookie Kodai Hagino to get the better of a static defence and head in his first J-League goal. And around the hour mark, the hosts scored two in six minutes to take control of the game. Brilliant combination play from Toma Murata and Yoshiatsu Oiji, setting up Hirofumi Yamauchi to slot it home from six yards for 2-1. Murata's shot deflected by Kodai Minoda's ungainly swipe for a rather more fortunate third. Final score, Gifu 3, Hachinohe 1. A first win in four for Gifu sees them climb four places to ninth in that bunched-up middle of the table, while Van Rare slip back to 13th. Iwate, Guruja and Morioka are another side in that grouping around halfway in the standings. A situation changed little by their home draw with Gainare Tottori. For the second week in a row, the Paper Cranes managed not to score in an almighty goalmouth scramble. Masakazu Tashiro just failing to convert after Gainane's Korsuke Masatani headed a corner against his own post. Mun Inju then performing heroics to clear it off the line. At the other end, Ryoya Izumi had a header well saved by Guruja keeper Kenta Tanno, but Tanno was beaten on 73 minutes. Hiroto Sese and Makoto Fukuin exchanging passes, Sese firing in right-footed from the edge of the box. Within three minutes, Iwate were level, Kaidi Shinbo and Ren Fujimura combining to open up the visiting defence, Masashi Wada receiving the pass and netting his 10th of the season. Final score, Iwate 1, Totori 1. Tetsuji Nakamigawa's Guruja seeing out the season looking pretty solid in 12th. Gainare remain 7th. Seven games then on Sunday the 5th and leaders Ehime FC dealt effectively with the potential banana skin of a home fixture against form team YSCC Yokohama. Kiyotaka Ishimaru's side were in control throughout, their mobile five-man midfield constantly causing problems for the YSCC backline. It wasn't until injury time at the end of the first half that the deadlock was broken, though. A counter-attack led by Ryo Sato's dash from the halfway line to the edge of the penalty area, from where he released a diagonal ball for Shunsuke Motegi to sweep into the net. Despite their dominance, Ehime never put the game to bed, most notably due to Reya Morishita skying the ball over an open goal when YSCC keeper Jun Kodama had raced out of his area in an unsuccessful attempt to cut off another run by Sato. Loris Tinelli had one of the few chances created by the visitors, but his low shot was comfortably saved by Shugo Tsuji. Final score, Ehime 1, YSCC 0. A fourth victory in a row for the Mighty Mikans, and J2 is so close they can taste it. A first loss in five for YSCC, but Kazuki Kuranuki has made them far more resilient. The Kanagawa Seagulls are in 11th, one of four teams on 48 points. Second place Kagoshima United, meanwhile, dropped crucial points via a home draw with Nana Club. 
After a goalless first half at the Shiranami Stadium, Nara almost went in front nine minutes into the second period when Hayato Asakawa's close-range effort was blocked by the head of keeper Ryota Izumori, who then reacted quickly to keep out the follow-up from Sotaro Yamamoto. Neither side was having much luck hitting the target, but Kagoshima were handed the advantage 14 minutes from time when forward Shota Suzuki was brought down in the area by visiting captain Yuki Kotani. Suzuki's penalty kick was saved by Arnau, but the rebound was swept in by Takumi Yamaguchi for 1-0, but the smoking volcanoes could not hold on to their lead, as on 86 minutes, Masataka Kenny swung a high ball into the home box, Kei Ikoma headed it down, and Yamamoto volleyed it in. Final score, Kagoshima 1, Nana 1. Yasumaki Oshima's team remained second, but their lead over Toyama is cut to two points. Julian Marin Basilo's side climbed two places to eighth. Last week I spoke of a calamitous home loss for FC Imabari at the hands of Iwate. This week the Ehime Dark Blues were beaten at their Satoyama Stadium by SC Sagamihara, a result that all but extinguishes their realistic hopes of promotion. It all started so well for Imabari, who went ahead inside two minutes, Takatora Kondo crossing for Kanta Chiba to head in. Sagamihara drew level 16 minutes before the break, Shunji Masada advancing towards the penalty area, his first shot blocked by Ryota Ichi his second finding its way into the bottom right-hand corner. Chiba had the chance to restore the home side's lead from the kickoff, but unmarked and in a central position seven yards from goal, he put his volley well over the crossbar. There were further missed opportunities at both ends, but Imabari fell behind with 20 minutes left, Tsubasa Ando converting a penalty after he'd been brought down by John Ander Serantes. And bad turned to worse for Imabari nine minutes from time, Masuda curling in a superb shot for his second of the game after good work from Takumu Fujinuma. Final score, Imabari 1, Sagamihara 3. It's not that Imabari played badly and on another day they could have scored 5, but throughout the season there have been too many days like this and they drop to 6th. For the Green and Blacks, their first win in 5, they stay 19th. Moving above Imabari go FC Osaka and Matsumoto Yamaga. That's because both were able to win their home games against opposition from lower down the standings. Osaka beat Fukushima United at Hanazono, the only goal of the game coming 11 minutes before the break. All pretty self-inflicted from Fukushima, defender Shun Orbu attempting to shepherd the ball towards safety, only to be bullied out of possession by Daigo Furukawa. Takahiro Kitsui guiding it into an empty net for his seventh of the season. The visitors tried to get back into the game, but could make a little headway against the division's best defence. Final score, Osaka 1, Fukushima 0. All credit to Ryo Shigaki's team, they're giving it a go in fourth, even if they're not eligible for promotion. A single point in the last five games for Fukushima, they're 16th. 
And Matsumoto overcame Giramansky Takushu, although they did need an own goal to do so. Five minutes into the second half, Kazuma Yamaguchi sending in the cross. Takato Nonomura's header was going wide, only for the luckless Yudai Nagano to deflect it inside the post. Earlier on, Yamaga had keeper Victor to thank for two good saves in quick succession. One from Yuki Okuda's curling shot, another in a goalmail scramble from Mikel Agu. While at the other end, Tarmigan's big defender Masato Tokida hit the bar with a header from Yusuke Kikui's cross. Once in front, though, Matsumoto's lead was never in danger from the weakest attack in the division. And indeed, Kaigan Murakoshi almost made it too, only for his fiercely struck shot to hit the post and bounce away. Final score, Matsumoto 1, Kitakushu 0. Yamaga back up to 5th, and they haven't been that well placed since July. Giravance can't wait for the season to end. Kamatamare Sanuki have found a new hero in teenage striker Nina Tominaga, but their defensive frailties cost them the game at home to AC Nagano Paseiro. As was the case last week at Hachinohe, Tominaga put Kamatamare 2-0 up, first finishing from close range after Iki Kawasaki's lofted ball had been headed across goal by Shota Kawanish, then stealing in front of Hayato Ikegaya to steer Gentaro Yoshida's cross over the line. 39 minutes in and the Noodle Boys were cruising, although Paseiro's Yuki Morikawa had earlier hit the post from 20 yards. And in first half injury time, the visitors pulled one back. Yasufumi Nishimura crossing for Naoki Sanda to escape a sleepy defence and head beyond Yusuke Imamura. Within three minutes of the restart, Sanda had made it all square, finishing from a narrow angle after Hiroki Yamamoto got the better of Kawasaki. And on 68 minutes, Nagano's comeback was complete. Korken Kato launching it towards the back post. Sanda beating Kawasaki to pull it back for Takashi Kondo to score from eight yards. Kawasaki, who to be fair was not the only one of his teammates to have been caught ball watching, almost made amends 12 minutes from time when he headed Soshi Iwagishi's cross against the bar. Final score though, Sanaki 2, Nagano 3. Frustrating for Kamatamari coach Atsushi Yoniyama, who seemed to have made improvements to his team's defensive ill discipline, their 15th. Pasairo stay one place above them despite scoring three for the second match running. Finally this week, Tegevajaro Miyazaki brought to an end their recent run of poor results with a narrow win at Azul Claro Numazu. The home side should have been out of sight by half-time, Yuma Mori heading narrowly wide, Noah Kenshin-Brown seeing his header deflected onto the bar, Yuya Tsukegi with a half-volley just past the post. In the second half, Tegevajano's Hiroki Okuda somehow failed to score in a one-on-one, -on -one, but with 24 minutes left, Harumi Minamino showed them all how it's done, controlling the knockdown from Tomoya Kitamura and volleying in from 15 yards. Final score, Numazu nil, Miyazaki won. Azul Claro sliding back down to 10th. Tegevajano win for the first time in 12, but stay 18th. 
So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 34. The top six are Ehime with 67 points, Kagoshima with 58, Toyama 56, Osaka and Matsumoto 52, Imabari 50. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Sanuki with 40 points, Fukushima and Ryukyu with 39, Miyazaki 37, Sagamihara 36, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakyushu. Four games left and Ehime have a foot and four toes in J2, nine points clear of third-placed Toyama. The second promotion spots look to be contested by Kagoshima and Toyama, two points the gap between them. From the chasing pack, Osaka and Matsumoto have six points to make up, Imabari eight, surely now destined to remain in J3 for another year. Meanwhile, at the bottom of J2, it's all done and dusted. Zwegen Kanazawa and Ormia Aradija are confirmed as relegated from the second tier, and so will join us for J3 2024. Discussion in due course on the implications of that for clubs and division. Down at the bottom of J3, Kitakyushu might now be 12 points behind Sagamihara, but following the weekend's JFL games, it's looking increasingly likely there will be no promotion or relegation between the two leagues. That's because with three games to go in the JFL, the top two places are occupied by leaders Honda FC and Sony Sendai, neither of whom are eligible for or indeed interested in a place in the J-League. The best-placed club with a J3 licence remain Redak Shiga in third, but they're now four points behind Sony Sendai. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 35 J3 fixtures this weekend, when there are four games on Saturday the 11th. If other results go their way, Ehime could confirm promotion or even the title if they win their home derby against prefectural rivals Imabari. Three of Kagoshima's remaining four games are away from home and they begin their run-in with a trip to Ryukyu. YSCC can boost their hopes of a top-half finish at home to fading Numazu. And can Kitakyushu end their winless run at home to Iwate? Six games then on Sunday the 12th. No ifs or buts, Toyama need the victory at home to Nara. Elsewhere in the top six, Osaka go to Sagamihara and Matsumoto travel to Fukushima. Tottori are at home to Nagano. Gifu play host to Senaki. And finally, Miyazaki take on Hachinohe. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.